0: Isn't that a beautiful family? My, my goodness, we are, we are a blessed church, that is for sure. Well, before I, we get in the message, I know we've been sharing a lot this morning. Before we get in the message, I have two things I want to just share with everybody real quick. The first one is I want to talk just about masks real quick. And from the beginning of this whole COVID situation, you know, what you have heard from us is that we are going to follow the recommendations and the guidelines from the St. Joseph County health department and as all of you i'm sure know the health department has lifted the mask mandate and we are going to do the same thing um the elders the staff and i we've talked about what our course of action is going to be as far as masks go and and in the same way that the the county health department has said that if you've been vaccinated you don't need to wear a mask however if you've not been vaccinated that it recommends that that you still wear a mask and we are um we're giving those same guidelines that that um, you know if really kind of saying masks are no longer going to be required now obviously, if you're more comfortable wearing a mask, then by all means please please do um, but they are going to be optional you know from from here on out um, we are going to do uh, we are going to continue doing communion and offering as we have been um, for the time being. Um, but really, I just wanted to share like from from the beginning of, of all of this i I shared that my heart of what our church was going to be is that we were going to serve one another, that we were going to you know put others' needs ahead of our own and Livingstones, you've done that very well for over a year like this it's been a, a hard thing, um, and I just want you to know that I'm very proud of, of each of of each of you, just for being willing to love and to serve one another in this way and and we're going to continue to not let the mask thing be a dividing issue between any of us like we all are going to have different opinions about whether to keep wearing masks whether to not and and that's okay you know it's it's all right to have difference of of opinion on those things but we're not going to let the the mask issue be a dividing point for us you know i'm going to make that same plea i made at the beginning of, of all of this that if you're more comfortable wearing a mask then please please do so but there's plenty of room for all of us here no matter what our convictions are about about masks, that so we're still going to love one another. We're still going to extend grace to everyone who comes in the doors, mask or no mask. And so, you know, we're not going to judge the choices of, of one another. We're going to be continue to just be a church family, and I know you guys are going to continue to do that. You are a great church to pastor, and I just want to thank all of you for that. So, i also just wanted to say it's great to be back with you this morning. Um, if you were not here last Sunday, I was not. Uh, I was not present. I uh, thankfully I was went on a hiking trip with a good friend of mine, uh, Carl Baston. He's a pastor friend of mine from Colorado, and we spent the week hiking in Yosemite National Park. Um, I, t- I try to get away once a year just to to be able to hike and clear my head, just completely disconnect from everything and connect with God. And um, and man, this. This week did not disappoint at all. I had some amazing encounters with God this week that I'm looking forward to being able to share with you. Um, It it really was an inspiring week for me, and uh, just being out in nature just helps me connect with God. I I actually got to see some really cool things. I got to see two bears while I was there. If you don't mind putting the first, this is one uh, black bear that I saw. And actually, if you go to the next picture, um, oh, this this is another, oh yeah, so this is that same black bear and it was just this gorgeous, beautiful meadow at sunset, uh, with Half Dome lit up in the back. And then the other bear that we saw, um, he actually lunged at my friend Carl. Um, he see the first service isn't being broadcast, and so if Carl's watching, he's not going to know I said this. So, so Carl was no further away from this bear than me to Andrew, right here. Like he like walked right up to this thing, and and it lunged at him and was saying, "Hey, give me some space," but. Uh, it really was a great time. I was very thankful to get away for a little while. And I have an amazing wife and kids. Um, I'm very grateful for you allowing me to, to get away for a while. Um, I love you, hun, with all my heart. You're a great mom and a great wife. And I just want to tell you thank you for that. Um, but I'm also grateful for a church that allows me to be able to get away and connect with God and that can hold down the fort while, uh, while I'm not here. Um, Angie, thank you. Last Sunday you did a great job. Can we give Angie a great hand? For for the great job she did last week, I got I got to listen to her message. Um, she did an incredible job. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to go back and watch or listen to last Sunday's message. So we are this morning. We are going to conclude our series that we've called the art of neighboring, the art of neighboring. And with summer right around the corner, with us kind of turning the page on COVID, as I as I pray that we are, um, our neighborhood outreach that we did a week and a half ago, and our uh, uh, Inside Out series and the movie night and everything that we have going up, we thought it would be a great time to talk about what does it look like for us to be great neighbors? What does it look like for us? And in the first week, I shared with us about how we need to dismantle the us versus them mentality that is so easy for us to fall into and that culture so often uh, reinforces. There's us and then there's, there's them. And I challenged every one of us to, to consider, right, who is your them? Who are the people that you don't consider one of us? Who is your them? And, and not just who are them, but find ways to go and connect with your them. And then last Sunday, Angie spoke about Micah 6, 6 8, to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And that I love Southside is not just something we do as a church, but it's who we are. It's, it's who we are, and every one of us has a part to play in, in reaching and impacting our community that's right outside our doors. Well, this morning I wanted to share one of what I feel is, excuse me, one of our biggest obstacles we have and in, in, that prevents us from being great neighbors, and it's the fact that neighboring is very inconvenient. Neighboring is very inconvenient because it costs us something. To truly be a good neighbor and to love those who are around us, it, it's not something that we can just nod our heads about and we can agree with and it just naturally happens. But being a good neighbor, it it takes time. It takes investment. It costs us resources. It it costs us patience, getting out of our our comfort zones, doing things that maybe we've never done before. It's inconvenient. Now, I I don't know if, if you've ever been like me, but have you ever wanted to walk around with like a do not disturb sign hanging around your neck? Kind of like you do, like on on the hotel doors, where you you know you can put the the do not disturb sign on. Um, you know, like we've we've all felt that way before, or maybe there's like you've been shopping in Martins or Target, something like that, and you see somebody that you know, but they haven't seen you yet, and you like are going out of your way to try to avoid them because you're like I'm busy right now. I don't want to have this conversation. Has anybody ever done that before, where you're like trying to dart in and out of aisles and just hoping that you don't? you know, run into one another. All right, you guys are more holy than I am, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, or 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 do you remember the days before having caller ID on your phone? Like Like for young people in the room, there was actually a time where you didn't know who was calling you until you picked up the phone and you answered it. Like now, like we can see who's calling us, you know, and we decide... No, I'm not going to answer that one. You know, like because because I know that conversation is going to take me a half an hour, and and I just like oh I just don't have that time to give because we we're all so busy we're doing we're all busy doing our thing we have our own agenda we have the things that places we need to go things we need to get done we're in a hurry getting here we have to make a quick stop there and trying to cram as much as we can into a very limited amount of time that we have. We try, to, we try to like get everything we can out of the day. And sometimes it's hard being interrupted. It's hard to be having our day interrupted. And, and when it comes to being a good neighbor, when it comes to loving the other, loving them, it's going to cost us something. Interruptions will come into our life. They will come into our life. And if we look at, at Jesus' life... His life was filled with interruptions. Jesus was constantly interrupted all the time. There there were times where Jesus, He was teaching people in a house, and He was interrupted by the ceiling literally raining down on Him as four guys lowered their friend in in the middle of His his lecture He was giving, and Jesus took this interruption and He healed the man. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't get annoyed. He he ministered to, to this man who their, their, his friends came and brought him in. Jesus was interrupted when he had times of solitude, like the, where, where he was grieving the beheading of John the Baptist, and, and he went out on a boat, and when he came to shore, the people were there. They were waiting for him. They wanted to be with him. Jesus was interrupted constantly when he was traveling from place to place. You know, blind Bartimaeus caught him when he was on his way to Jericho. When he came down from the mountainside, a man with leprosy came to, him from he, came to him for healing. A Roman centurion asked for his servant to be healed. Like if you read through Matthew chapter 8, it's person after person after person. is constantly interrupting Jesus. One, you know they're, they're just one after another coming to him. Jesus was interrupted even when he was sleeping. If you remember the story where Jesus was asleep on the boat and the storm comes in and the disciples, they quick wake him up because they were afraid they were going to drown. Like, he, he was Jesus was interrupted so much that even his interruptions were interrupted. Like, th- th- I mean, that, that's, how, that's how Jesus was. When he, he was doing, Jesus was doing his thing when a rich man named Jairus came to him and said, hey, will, will you come heal my daughter? And Jesus says, all right, I'll, I'll go to her. And as he's walking to heal Jairus's daughter, the woman with the issue of blood comes up to, comes up to Jesus and touches the hem of His garment. You know, like she had been bleeding for 12 years, and Jesus heals her in this moment. Like, as, as we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, we see over and over again that Jesus is constantly being interrupted. And, and rarely, if you read through the Gospels, rarely do we, do we read about Jesus giving like a planned formal teaching most of the time that's not what he did rather most of the times his stories and the teachings that took place more often than not were not a, was not a planned sermon or a planned teaching but it was when Jesus made himself available to those around him when Jesus came when when people came to him and he stopped what he was doing so that he could teach so that he could share a principle about the kingdom of god that that's most of Jesus's teaching was spurred the moment it wasn't a planned Lecture or a planned sermon. And, and as we read through the, the early church in the book of Acts, they followed that same model of being interruptible. I, I, I'm sure I probably just made up a new word, interruptible. That they were, you know, uh, Peter healing the, the man at the beautiful gate was an example of this. Like they were doing their thing, and, and this man calls out to, to him. And, and in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas. They, they had been doing what God had called them to do. They were sharing the kingdom of God. They were sharing Jesus with, with those around them. And to make a long story very, very short, they prayed for this young woman. She had, she had been demon-possessed. They prayed for her. She was set free. And, and I'm not going to go through all the details, but they end up getting thrown in prison. Paul and Silas get thrown in prison for healing the, this young woman who had been demon-possessed. They were locked into one of the interior cells, and they even had their, their feet locked up in, in stocks. And, and in Acts chapter 16, in verse 25, we actually pick up their story while they are in prison. And it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God. Like, that's a sermon in and of itself right there. And the other prisoners were listening to them. So in the middle of, of this awful situation, they're, they're praying, and they're singing worship songs to God. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. I mean, you talk about a divine miracle right here, like God showed up in this instance. And so while they were in prison, while they were praying and while they were worshiping, in the middle of this awful situation, God shows up and, and this earthquake happens. The doors fly open. Their chains fall off. God does this amazing thing in the middle of this this prayer service they're having. And and, and now, if, if it were any one of us, or maybe I'll just make this personal, if it was me, I would have hightailed it out of there right there in that moment. I've been like, all right, Lord, thank you for answering my prayer. I'm out of here. You know, Luke records actually that Paul and Silas, they had been severely flogged before being put in in prison. Like, who knows what further punishment was awaiting for them. And and had I been Paul and Silas, I wouldn't have wanted to wait and find out. I would have taken off. I would have left. And, And, you know, I would have seen, wow, this was divine providence, and I would have gotten out of Dodge as soon as possible. But that's not what happens at all. Verse 27 says, the jailer woke up, the one who was in charge of keeping Paul and Silas there. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. The, the jailer had the same thought that I would have had, is that, oh, wow, <laughs> like the doors are open. I'm sure they all hightailed it out of here. They all left in this moment. And, and he realizes that there, the jail had been breached, and he figured everybody had already had already left, especially his high-value prisoners, Paul and Silas. And he knew that the punishment for him for allowing the prisoners to escape was that he himself was going to be executed, and he wasn't going to wait for that to happen. He was going to fall on his own sword. But Paul and Silas, they were like Jesus. They were interruptible. They were going to put their thoughts and their agenda and their plans aside. Now, when they could have left... When they could have done their own thing, they didn't. By the leading of the Holy Spirit, they knew that this interruption of their plans was going to be a ministry moment. And in verse 28 to 32, it says, But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We're all here! The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Paul and Silas, being open to an interruption, it allowed them to minister to this Roman jailer. Now in in week one, we talked about us versus them. People that are not like us. People that make us uncomfortable. People who maybe we don't entirely get we don't understand. The Roman jailer, he very much would have been a them to Paul and Silas. I mean, the the Romans, they were oppressors to the Jews. They abused them. They they looked down on them. They took advantage of them. The Jews would not have seen the Romans, much less this jailer, as one of us. The jailer would have been one one of them. But they were willing to be interrupted. Not just, and not just any interruption, they were willing to be interrupted by one of them, by somebody that was not a part of, of their group. And, and what happened? Like the jailer and his entire household put their faith in Jesus. They put their faith in Jesus and were baptized. And continuing in the story in verse 33, it says, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. And you talk about like what an amazing turnaround here that just happened. Remember, Paul and Silas, they had been flogged severely, Luke says. And the jailer comes, and he starts to wash their wounds. And then immediately, he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, and he set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. I mean, what, what a beautiful story in this moment. That this Roman jailer that had probably at least been party to or witnessed Paul and Silas being beaten and flogged and and locking them in in this jail and because Paul and Silas were willing to be interruptible willing to put their plans their agenda aside this jailer and his entire household were were saved in this moment washing their wounds inviting them to eat with him. Like, in this moment, Paul and Silas, they got to share the kingdom of God with this Roman jailer. And because they were willing to say, they were willing to see the, the jailer as, as one of us, not, not as one of them, as, as they were willing to see him as one of us because they were willing to be interruptible, because they were willing to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with their God. Like, that, that's what neighboring is all about, that's what it means to be a good neighbor. Like we, we don't love our neighbors because we want something from them or we're trying to manipulate them in any kind of way. And that's the exact opposite. We're trying to share something with our neighbors. That, that's, what, that's what neighboring is all about. And, and when we do this, when we get to share the kingdom of God with those around us, that, that's what Jesus came to do. That's what he's called each of us to do as well. But it's going to be inconvenient at times. It's going to cost us something at times. It, we, we're, we, every single one of us, if I asked you, we would all say, Yeah, I'm, I'm busy. I, I have a lot of things going on in my life. Are we willing to be interrupted? Are we willing to, to, to lend some of our time to somebody else instead of being so focused on, on me and my agenda and my life? While I was away this week, it was wonderful because I had virtually no cell service this entire week, um, and, and it was it was a beautiful thing. Like I, 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 there there was one fluke moment on Wednesday, I I had a I had a signal for a brief time. I tried calling Angela and the worship team as they were practicing, and it didn't go very well. Um, but but one of the things that I did, and it was so great about it, is I turned every notification off on my phone. I I don't know if. You know any of you that have smartphones, but doesn't it feel like your phone is always alerting you of something, dinging, buzzing, ringing, you know, pop, you know, some kind of pop up showing up all the time? And, and and it was so nice just to shut it all off. To have no interruptions at all. Like how often does it feel like? Uh, I, again, I'll make this personal for me. How often I feel like my phone dictates to me my schedule instead of me telling. My phone and every everything else, what to do? But God brought something to mind to me this week as I was away, because there there's times that I get annoyed with the interruptions that happen in my life. You know, I, I shared with you. You know, we see somebody in the in the grocery store or something like that, and we're trying to avoid him. Just thinking, man, I'm going to get stuck in a conversation, and like I, I'm late, I'm I'm already behind, like I, I don't have time to give this person right now in this moment. And and, and we, we get annoyed by that. But how often am I constantly letting my phone interrupt me? All the time. Like, why am I okay being notified when someone comments on something on Facebook or then when I've received an email? Why am I okay with that interruption, but I get annoyed if I'm in the middle of something and somebody else interrupts me? It, it felt like a little bit of a gut check. Now, Now, let me... I guess let me be very clear about something here. Like, there are times it's okay to be inaccessible. Like that—that's not—that's not a bad thing. This week was a perfect example of it, of it for me. It, it's not a bad thing. We like we can't. It's okay to be off limits at times. Like we all know ourselves, and that's and that's all right. But we also can't live our lives that way. We can and should have boundaries in our life. You know, like we shouldn't always be accessible to everybody all, all the time. But I also know about myself, and I know so many people that we become so wrapped up in our own lives and in our, the things that are going on with us that we leave no room for anybody else. We don't, leave, we don't have enough margin in our life for those interruptions when God brings them along. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, this was a little while back, and we were just talking about time management, about how we manage our time and and all the things that are a part of being in ministry, putting together a a message every week, which takes a a good deal of time, and staff meetings, planning meetings, elder meetings, meetings with, with my staff, lunch meetings, conversations, planning, organizing Dreaming, reading, growing, learning. I, I, like, there's so many things that, that happen in the week. And I can have a plan for my week. But then the interruptions start to come. I'll get a phone call or a, or a text or an email. Someone's stopping by the office. Somebody is sick. Somebody's in the hospital. Somebody passed away. And then we get. I had my plan for what I thought my week was going to look like. And then the interruptions start coming. And, and I'm, I'm just being real with you right now. And I shared with him that I was getting frustrated because I was struggling to figure out how do we get it all done? How do I manage it all? Like, how do we do all of the things that ministry requires, all the the things that I have to do, but also give time for the interruptions and not being so frustrated by that? And he asked me just a a question that just just stuck me in the gut. And 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 he said, where does the real ministry happen in your schedule?" Where does real ministry happen in your schedule? Is, real, is the real work of ministry happening when I'm planning out how to how to write a description for the new series coming up? Or is it when somebody texts me and they need, they need to meet with me? When, do, when does the real ministry actually take place? Does ministry happen when I'm studying and when I'm working on a message? Or does it happen when somebody's marriage is in crisis and they they need to talk now? And man, like it really was... A gut punch for me. Like, obviously, all those things need to get done. I need to work on my sermon. I need to meet with my staff. I need to, to, to plan and to, and to work on phrasing, like all, all the things. But he helped me see that the interruptions that come into my life and into my week and into my day were not interruptions, but that was the actual ministry itself. That the interruptions that happen, the interruptions that come into our lives That's where real ministry takes place. That's where real neighboring takes place. When I was sharing with you all the times Jesus was interrupted, ministry happened. Neighboring happened. Love happened. Sharing the kingdom of God happened when he was being interrupted, when he had his own plan, but God set up, had a divine appointment for him in that moment. I'm going to share one final thing with you. C.S. Lewis said this, and I pray you follow along with this. He says, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, what we call interruptions are precisely what your life really is, the life that God is sending to one day by day. What one calls one's real life it's just a phantom of one's own imagination. Like the, the schedule, the, the things I like to have in my head, what my, my plans, my ideas, C.S. Lewis, it's just a phantom of my imagination. But what God really wants is for me to have enough margin in my life where I'm open to those interruptions, where I'm saying, all right, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? When I, when I get that that text or that email or, or when we when we see that person in in the grocery store, instead of trying to avoid them, say, like, "All right, God, what do you what do you want me to do in this moment? What can I what can I share? What can I say? How can I share the kingdom of God with this person right now? In this moment." In other words, like I want to I want to be able to embrace those interruptions because that's where ministry takes place. That's where sharing the kingdom of God. Takes place. See, seeing the people in front of me not as, not as interruptions, but as my neighbors who God has called me to to share and to love. And each each week in the series, you know, like we've been issuing a different challenge to every one of us in in this series, and of something that we can put into practice about what we've been talking about. And, and this morning, I wanna I wanna just kind of challenge all of us to be interruptible to be interruptible. Now again, like it's okay to have boundaries. It's okay to be inaccessible at times. But that we would not become so self-focused on our agenda and our plan and our time and our schedule that we don't give that time to anybody else. That as as a church that we would not become so enamored with our own plans and our own self-importance that we neglect the ministry opportunities that are coming our way on a daily basis. Every single one of us, we're, we're interrupted on a daily basis. And so what can I do to that? God, give me eyes to see. What do you want me to do in this moment? And so as, as a church, I just want to ask us, are we available? Are we available to the people around us? The people at your work? The people you encounter at, at, at the store or at the restaurant? Are you available to those around you? Like, are, are we willing to create enough margin in our lives that when God brings someone along, when God brings somebody to mind, that we have enough bandwidth to love them well? That we could share the kingdom of God with them from the lady at the checkout to the crossing guard to the bus driver who takes your kids to school to the receptionist at the dentist office. Like, the kingdom of God is all about interruptions. And are we okay with that? Are we willing to give some of our, our time, ourselves, away to others? Je- Jesus' greatest ministry moments were when He had other plans and something came up, something came along, someone came along. And if we're going to love people like Jesus did, if we have to be available to people like Jesus was. The art of neighboring is putting aside our own agenda and to make space for others in our life. So if you would, just close your eyes for me right now, and I just want to pray for all of us as as a church body, as a church family. Lord, we, we just thank you, God, so much for who you are. God, thank you for loving us like you do. Thank you for the fact that you are interruptible, Lord. God, that you looked at us, and you were willing to share your life with each one of us, Lord. God, you were, you were willing to put aside your agenda and make a way for us. God, I, I pray for us as a church body. I pray for our church family, Lord, that we would be a people, Lord, that would be interruptible, that we, that we would be a, a people, God, that we would have, that we would give those around us space, Lord, to, to interrupt us, Lord, that we would see those things not as annoyances, not as frustrations. But we would see them, God, with with, with spiritual eyes in the same way that Paul and Silas, they could have hightailed it out of there. They could have done what they wanted to do. But God, your Holy Spirit was speaking to them, saying, no, this is is a ministry moment. This is a God moment right here. And that they were willing to to take the time and to share the kingdom of God with that jailer. And God, him and his entire household were saved. God, I pray that that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want us to do in in a single moment. God, when those interruptions come, when when we see the person that maybe we've been avoiding, God, when that phone call comes or that text comes, instead of being annoyed, instead of being irritated, God, that we would embrace it. Say, God, what do you want me to share in this moment? How can I share your love right now? God, I pray that you would speak to us and God, that we would be open to hear what you have to say to us, God. We love you so much and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.